Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There is no better group of pots for flower power than forms of the shrubby potentilla. Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook, wishing you a very successful growing new year. Here to help with some of your gardening quandaries. As we look ahead to 2018, I begin to get excited about the various shows. And later on, we'll be talking about the brand new Ascot Spring Flower Show that's coming up this year. The show's consultant is Stephen Bennett, who joins me later on the podcast. My thanks to Mr Fothergill Seeds, sponsors of this podcast. The few days after Christmas, usually pretty good for me to get a fair bit of the veg garden dug. And I'm afraid rain pretty well stopped play as far as digging was concerned. I don't like to dig if uh, it rains immediately following the digging because on my heavy land it just makes all the surface run together and then it sets really hard. Whereas if uh, you can dig and just get a bit of wind or breeze or sunshine just to dry the top a little bit, somehow the soil just takes it and uh, the conditions next spring will be much better as a result. What you can do, of course, is uh, prune. Now's a good time to get on with pruning soft fruits and top fruits. And I've got a a little narrow border with uh, gooseberries and red currants, both cordon and fan-trained, and with... uh, Chris Bradley, Stephen Val's son, we've done a little video to show you how to do it. I think that's probably the easiest way with pruning. You need somebody to show you how to go about it, and then, of course, you just need to uh, have a go yourself. No two trees or bushes are the same, and it's a bit of uh, science and art. You know, we need to get the balance between growth and flower bud so that uh, we have goodish crops, and the bushes and trees need to look attractive when you've finished. As I was driving into the studio I noticed along the roadside that the hazel catkins are already developing. All of our early spring growing or late winter growing things need a period of vernalisation, you know some really cold frosty weather and of course we had that mid-December, really low temperatures. A friend uh, wrote on his Christmas card to say that they'd had Minus 12 degrees centigrade in Pershore up in Worcestershire. I'll tell you, that gives vernalisation to plants, all right? And, and once they have had this cold treatment, then, of course, if we have a warm spell, as we had just over that uh, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day period, then, of course, the plants will think the spring's coming and they start to move. And that's why we have the hazel catkins already developing quite fast on the roadside. If uh, things like Forsythia have had enough cold, then you can cut a few stems, bring them indoors, put them in water, and they provide some very useful early cut flower. 
And rhubarb too, that needs a period of vernalisation. Usually what we do is to dig a big crown up. A crown is a sort of root, has really big, thick, songy sort of roots. You dig that up and leave it on the surface exposed to frost so it really does get chilled. And then you pop that in a black polythene bag with some damp compost, put it somewhere warm, and in a matter of a, a few weeks you'll have some of the prettiest bright pink rhubarb to pull. Very good to crop. But don't try and force it until it's had that fertilization treatment. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. One of the things I really like about this podcast is it gives me the chance to uh, chat to good friends. And and, uh, our friend today, Stephen Bennett, is, I believe, the most experienced and successful manager of flower shows in the country. In fact, his opinion is sought uh, around the world on occasions. Stephen, how are you today? Oh, Peter, I'm very well. That's very, very kind of you, but uh, greatly undeserved comments, but thank you. Uh, not at all. But Stephen, how did you get into the flower show world, first of all? By accident. Um, I had been living and working in Scotland in a different industry altogether, in the wine trade, um, and had uh, was opening some shops in Liverpool when I, during the time in 83, 84, when the RHS, who were to become my employers a year later, were creating the International Garden Festival at Liverpool. I had nothing to do with it, was sitting idly on the banks of the Um, the river, watching the festival being created, got a phone call from the RHS asking for help with staff and uh, warehousing hotels and so on. Um, I helped them out as a friend. I knew someone who worked there. And they said, oh, we'd love you to come and work for us. So I went down for an interview. And to my surprise, they said, would you like to come and run the RHS flower shows? Which astonished me because I'd never even been to one. But to cut a long story short, a year later, I found myself down in Vincent Square, um, being involved with what was then a very chaotic, you'll remember, Peter, a very chaotic and overcrowded Chelsea Flower Show. And the rest then rolled out over the last 32 years. But, but I mean, what a baptism of fire. Luckily, <laughs> I had no idea what I was being thrown into, so <laughs> it was... 
It was all very entertaining. Um, I mean, it is, uh, it's an amazing institution, isn't it? And, and in the past, uh, especially, there was a sort of family of us at yeah. the show, building exhibits and uh, yeah. staging the show. And, and you really, you were almost like a member of a family, weren't you? And you came in from the outside into all of that. Yes. What hasn't changed is that uh, family feeling, the camaraderie between exhibitors building their... Uh, horticultural displays and gardens on site. Um, also, the the RHS's objectives of improving the science, art, and practice of horticulture in all its branches, high horticultural standards. All those principles haven't changed. What has changed is the um, the circumstances surrounding the Chelsea Flower Show and the organisation of it. You'll remember it was fairly casual delightfully relaxed but terribly overcrowded affair and that was fine in the late 70s and early 80s although nobody enjoyed the crowding uh, what became serious was the implications of having so many people in such a constrained space in a limited limited space and limited time so uh, inevitably it, it became important to improve the comfort and safety of the event and so the enjoyment of the flower show. I mean, I first exhibited there, Stephen, well before you, I think, in about 1963, when I just wrote a letter saying, could I have space? And the RHS wrote back and said, uh, yes, you can have space. And, yeah. and, and that was it. Yeah. Now we have a 64-page manual of uh, health and safety and Lord knows what else. I mean, it drives me balmy. I know. The... Um the rules and regulations of any major event, particularly when you're dealing, I mean, uh, Chelsea accommodates 160, 164,000 people over the five days. Um, and you've got to get them in safely. You've got to look after them and get them home, hopefully at the end of a, an enjoyable day. But Stephen, it used to be 240,000 over yes. four days, didn't well, it? Well, you're quite right, Peter. <laughs> when I joined the RHS, and as you say, you were, I mean, uh, if I was still there now, it would be 32 years that you preceded me by an impressive number of years. And when I joined, the Chelsea Flower Show accommodated 100,000 people more in four days than it currently does in five days, and the amount of space occupied was considerably less in the mid-80s than it is now. Oh, that's right, because we've moved out into Ranelagh Gardens, haven't you? Yeah. Correct, yeah. yes, and, and begun to use the early mornings and late evenings yeah. in inappropriate ways. But then, uh, Stephen, you also steered uh, Hampton Court, Tatton Park, Gardeners World Live Birmingham. You steered all of those in their early days, didn't you? Yes, well, I was involved with the launch of all, all the RHF shows, um since Chelsea and when people would say to me you know we've we've got lots of RHS members in the London area but not so many elsewhere in what they used to call the provinces <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was blindingly obvious why that was um, in the London area as an RHS member you had Chelsea Flower Show you had Wisley down the road Vincent Square with the library in central London and not much else going on anywhere else apart from one lecture on a cold evening once every three or four years in Aberdeen. <laughs> so it became clear that the demand was there for 
good quality flower shows elsewhere. And it was actually very, I'd say, easy to do. It, was a, it took a lot of work, but it was it was very satisfying to be able to launch the shows that are now, if I can describe them in current chronological calendar order, the shows at Cardiff in mid-April, Morven Spring in early May, BBC Gardens World Live in NEC Birmingham in June, Hampton Court early July, Tatton Park late July, and the garden shows at Wisley and Hyde Hall, now Harlow Car, and then culminating in an autumn show at Morven. Um, none of those existed previously. They were all, as you'll remember, Peter, they were the small two-day Westminster flower shows. That's right. Yeah. Then called the fortnightlies because there were 24 of them per year. So the Irish has had 25 flower shows in one city, Chelsea plus 24 Vincent <laughs> yes. Square shows, and none anywhere else. Yeah. And all these other shows are were previously small central London events now flourishing throughout the UK. Now, Stephen, taking us on to the uh, future, particularly for 2018, we have a really exciting new show, don't we? Yes, we do. The first substantial garden show in the southeast of England in the spring at which you can buy plants, and that's the Ascot Spring Garden Show, which will be launching in mid-April, Friday the 13th, Sunday the 15th of April 2018 and then on a regular annual basis in a fantastic venue. I mean it just seems to have so many things going for it from my point of view. I mean you, you know your road access, rail access, free parking. Yeah it's an absolute dream as you say there's a railway station, free parking for the public, inexpensive ticket prices which I'll rattle off in a minute. Uh, a very well-equipped venue full of all the important things, car parking, lots of catering and kitchens, lots of loos, beautiful facilities, a well-manicured site horticulturally. We're not using the race course itself, incidentally, which is about 200 times bigger than the space we need, but we're using the lovely sunny south side of the grandstand between the railway station, the car parks and the grandstand. It's a perfect setting for a spring garden show. And and the grandstand itself, I mean, architecturally, is really stunning, isn't it? It's a perfect backdrop for a spring flower show. It is. When you walk in there off from the, from the train or the car park, you're confronted with this absolutely staggering building, uh, which is quite a sight to behold, as is the lovely manicured lawns and the parade ring uh, in, in front of the grandstand. It's a lovely sight for a show. I should and say there won't be any horses running about on the day of the garden show. This is a pure, good quality garden show for keen gardeners. And you will be able to go up into the stand? Yes, we're actually, um, half, uh, half the show is down on the ground, uh, on the lawns, and half of it is just a few feet above on the first enormous deck of the grandstand with views down this side over the, the garden show and spectacular views out the other side over the race course. You are having to some sort of support from Savile and the Valley Gardens? Yes. Ascot Racecourse is on the same patch of land, the Crown Estate land, as occupied by Windsor Castle and the gardens of Windsor Great Park, um, the Valley Gardens and Savile Gardens, the Frogmore Garden. 
And the gardeners from the Valley Gardens and Saddle Gardens are actually um, going to be at the show to give free garden advice. And the Crown Estate through Windsor Great Park are partnering with Ascot Racecourse to co-promote the show. I mean, would it be possible for a visitor you know, to come in a good time early in the morning? It's always worth getting to these shows early. Yeah. Do the show and then get into... Uh, Savile or Valley Gardens as well? Do you think that's a possibility? Uh, it is certainly physically possible because Savile and Valley Gardens are just a couple of miles nearby, very close to Ascot Racecourse. I, it is, if you're fighting fit, you could do the garden show and one or both of the gardens on the same day, but I wouldn't advise that, Peter. I think it'd be better to get a, a joint ticket and come to the garden show on one day and return the following day or a week later to enjoy the Valley Gardens and the Savile Gardens, or yeah. do it the other way around. I I would hesitate to try and do both in one day. Yeah, well, you know, people travelling some distance may well stay overnight and then do the two. Yeah, that would fit quite well. Yeah. Because the uh, Savile and Valley Gardens have some quite good uh, evergreen azaleas, don't they? And with a bit of luck, they might just about be coming into colour then. They're both um, at their best in the spring, so uh, early mid-April, late April is a lovely time to visit at the Gardens of Windsor Great Park. Yeah, and you have uh, six show gardens. Now, Stephen, uh, is there any chance of me sort of leaning on those designers to make sure that we have the best of really good spring flowers? I mean, we don't have a show with things like flowering currant and forsythia and tulips and daffodils and hyacinths and all that kind of thing. I mean, we could, well, there's some wallflowers and fragrant stocks. There's so many lovely things that we could uh, really stage in spring, isn't it? Be my guest, Peter. You, you know who the six designers are. <laughs> um, they've met you uh, recently at the launch of the show and... I think you're right. This is an opportunity for those designers to include um, planting schemes in, in, their, in their gardens, which really show off the best of British horticulture in the springtime. And uh, once you've got there, and, and you're going to have a whole uh, batch of very well-known nursery people exhibiting, but there's also going to be the opportunity to go to talks and lectures and, and be entertained. I mean, the show world is changing, isn't it, in that direction? It's much more... Well, education is the wrong word. It's, it's um, an entertaining day out, isn't it? Um, I'd say in, informative, good quality information on plants, growing techniques, growing medium... Um, plants and products available to in the garden market. That's really what a good show is about. It it in, it inspires somebody with a garden to introduce new plants, new products into their garden. You get the chance to talk directly to the manufacturers and suppliers of good quality equipment, and talk to any one of the 35 specialist nursery exhibitors we have there about their range of plants or the designers about their gardens. There's a series of talks. Uh, running through each of the three days. You have the great David Domini there? David will be there, helping to co-host uh, the stage activities, and we've got a great lineup of speakers, including Simon Lysett, the florist, and the head, the head gardeners from Windsor Great Park are speaking. Um, we've got a great lineup of speakers on the stage, free, free stage talks. And, and you said earlier, you'd give us some idea of what the costs are. 
because the uh, early bird can save some money, can't they? There's a very, very good offer running now until the end of January for a ticket if you buy it in advance at only £16 per ticket. That runs from now until end of January. From the 1st Feb until the show opens, the ticket is £20 in advance, and then it goes up to £24 if you turn up on any one of the three days. So 16 now, £20 from Feb to show opening, and then £24 on the day. There's a website, Peter. Can I, can I give you the web address? Yes, please do. Yeah. Very easy. Just tap in ascot.co.uk. That's ascot.co.uk slash garden show. It'll take you straight into the information on the show. Even I might remember that. What? <laughs> now, the only other thing left, Stephen, mm-hmm. is the weather. Now, I want absolutely gentle, blue sky, warm, sunny weather. And, and you've got Friday the 13th. I mean, that, <laughs> isn't that a tempting fate? I was born on Friday the 13th, Peter, so I regard it as a very lucky day. (laughs) Now, look, about the weather, we have ordered three dry, clear, blue sky, sunny days, but you know, Peter, your readers and our flower show visitors are sensible people. They know to check the weather. They know what to wear on their feet. They know if there's going to be a drop of rain, what to wear. And a bit of adverse weather is never going to bother the kind of people we are talking to now. Exactly not, you know. All, all gardeners say we don't have bad weather, we just have the wrong clothes. Yeah. Well, I just repeat, this is a good garden show for keen gardeners, so yeah. I'm, um, I'm, I'm not really bothered about the old spot of rain. Stephen, thank you very much for chatting to us. I really look forward to this new show in April. And Peter, I look forward to seeing you and many of your readers there. <laughs> Could I just remind you that there are several early bird deals on flower show tickets. I noticed that uh, Toby Buckland, with his garden festival being held at Powderham Castle, for example, if you buy in advance, then you get uh, quite a saving on the ticket. There isn't money to be saved at Chelsea, but with the Chelsea flower show, they sell out when you get nearer to the day. So uh, if you're thinking of going... It's well worth having a look and make purchases in advance. And it's my advice that you go either at half past three or even better, five o'clock. The tickets are much cheaper then. And if you delay your arrival, the big crowds, the dense population, they've mostly gone. And so if you plan to stay late... I mean, you're supposed to be out by 8 o'clock, but nobody clears you out until at least 8.30, and you can really wander around and see everything and miss the crowds. So, uh, in the case of Chelsea Flower Show, it's the late bird that, that gets the worm, not the early bird. Thanks again to our sponsor, Mr Fothergill Seeds, and my producer, Charlie Jones. And thank you for listening. Enjoy your garden. We'll be back next Thursday. Discover more at sungardening.co.uk Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.